So praise God that we are able to stand together and worship the Lord together. Standing in the back, watching everybody, just the many blessings all throughout our congregation. Just seeing the, the faces and the people and being together is wonderful. Larry and Debbie visiting us and uh, God led them to join us today and that's a special blessing for us. I hope it is for you too. So praise God. Praise God for what he's doing in our lives. And uh, Olin, I like what you said about the fact that we are to not just receive Christ, but learn to walk with him, learn to experience him, learn that new, new life in him. That's the point. That's the new life that he wants us to live. Praise God. And having said that, I'll respond to the lady that said to you that God's going to use you. It resonated with me because when I was about 20 years old, I was in a choir in near Angel Lakes, Florida, and stepped down off the choir, and this lady walked up to me intentionally and said, as the choir was walking by, Terry, God's going to use you. And so I never lost that, never forgot that. But whether you've heard that from somebody or not, doesn't mean that God is not going to use you. We're, we're God's children, and he has a plan and a purpose for us, and, and he wants us to follow him. And that's part of running the race. Running the race is running the plan uh, that God has designed for you and for me, and being faithful to him in that. So praise God for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each and every one here. I want to thank you for all the kids going to Children's Church and pray you bless them, bless the instructors that are back there. And may you, dear Holy Spirit, be, be there as we pray that you are continue, continue to be here with us. And I ask, Father, that you do your work in each and every one of our lives. May we know that we've met with you today here. And may we walk away blessed and uh, touched by you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Obviously, last week we talked about Israel, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Israel this week. And all of history is coming together, and all the focus of the nations is on Jerusalem. That's not unusual, is it? But it's even more so. And we keep watching the nations and terrorists attempting to divide God's covenant promised land and the city of Jerusalem, and their governments continue to pressure Israel to trade off parcels for peace. God has brought Israel together as a nation. That's not going to change. God is going to carry out his plan and accomplish his work. Whatever time frame that is, Israel doesn't need to be afraid of uh, annihilation or being wiped off the face of the earth as the enemy might want them to be. But God is in control, amen? And God has his sovereign hand. And God has his purpose. And you know what? What God does with Israel affects us too. Because down the road, we are a part of that. So praise God that God's in control. Israel's not going anywhere. It doesn't mean that Israel's not going to have the problems because obviously they are. We don't make light of that. We pray for them. And we are constantly asking God for protection and provision and deliverance from, from the enemy. These nations coming against Israel were prophesied in verses like Zechariah 12, 3. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very a heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. In other words, Israel becomes like a stumbling block, a stumbling stone to many nations. They don't like like Israel. Have you ever wondered why the tense focus on not liking Israel or hating Israel? And it's because it's a spiritual plane. It's a spiritual war. It's God's chosen land. 
for his chosen people, where he's going to reign from, Jesus will reign from there in the millennial reign, and you and I will be there and be a part of that one day. So Israel's like a stumbling stone, a big rock that's in the way, and nations are against Israel. But as I said, Israel's not going anywhere, and it's not going to be destroyed. And, and, but it will get worse. The people of nations do come against Israel. In Zechariah 14, 2 and 3, it says, For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity. But the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. We see that happening now. We really do. We see the ravishing of the women. We see the houses, houses rifled. We see tremendous um, invasion, if you will, on Israel with the intent to annihilate them. But our mighty God will fight for his heart. What's his heart? His heart is Jerusalem. We're going to look at that a little bit more and what that means. Jerusalem has been the capital city of the Jewish people since about... 1010 or 1000 BC when King David captured the city from the Jebusites. The biblical city of Jerusalem, known today as Old City Jerusalem, was, look at this, destroyed twice, besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, has been captured and recaptured 44 times. At the root of all these intense battles, again, lies a fierce spiritual war to attempt to unseat the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Prophecy says that Jesus will reign from Jerusalem in the millennial reign. We're going to be a part of that. I mentioned that before. So what's the enemy want to do? He wants to make that not possible, which is idiotic. He's going to, he's going to, to try to stop God's sovereign plan, which is stupid, right? It's just no one can stand against the will of God and his power right? But the enemy wants to destroy it. He wants to unseat the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from the very city where he chose to establish his throne. Jesus has already chosen to establish his throne on earth in Jerusalem in the millennial reign. Scripture makes it clear that Jerusalem is where God abides and where his footstool and throne are found. And so God has a purpose for Israel. Okay, so like the loving father that he is, he's, he makes known to his children that his heart's desire is to dwell in their midst forever. Okay, we see Israel the way they are as a nation, spiritually blinded to the Messiah, Jesus. We know there are Messianic Jews in Israel and they're increasingly growing today. We pray that they would take what's happening now and ask God for open doors to share the gospel message of the Messiah Jesus as people are facing the tragedies that they're facing in Israel today. But we know that God's desire is for Israel and, it's, and, that, and, and that God's plan and purpose is secure for Israel. Um, in Psalm 132, 13 and 14, it says, for the Lord has chosen Zion, okay? He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Ezekiel 43, verse 7, part A. And he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet. 
where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. I wish that the Messianic Jews would grab hold of those verses and share them with their brother Jews and brothers and sisters of Jewish faith, that they might see and understand the truth of the Messiah and the promise of God. Jerusalem is God's holy city, his holy mountain, his earthly dwelling place. That's what's going to happen. The millennium reign, there's a lot. When Jesus sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives and splits the mountains, the, the Mount of Olives in two, and the, there's a great earthquake, and the typo, typography of the, of the ground is completely changed, and Jerusalem, instead of going down to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem will, will rise up high. And from there, the city will be established as God's throne place, and he will rule the world in the millennial reign. A thousand years of peace on earth and fulfilling the promises that he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to Israel, right? So that promise is secure because when God makes a promise, it's done. He doesn't change it, doesn't break it. He makes it, he keeps it. So God said his name would rest upon Jerusalem for forever. In 2 Chronicles 6, 6, it says, I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. God placed his very signature, I love this, God placed his very signature in the natural topography surrounding Jerusalem. So you can kind of see, yeah, thank you. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, move it back again. Oh, you can't do that? Oh, okay. Well, oh, oh okay. So wait, stop there. Can you see this? Think of that as a W. Can you see that W? Can you see the typography of that W there? Mm-hmm. Can you just see it, right? Now that she went over. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oops. It goes around here, and here, and here. So you've got this W right here. This symbol is the Shen, or the Shin in Hebrew, and it is the symbol for God. It is the mark of God which is so cool. So on Israel, on Jerusalem in particular there, the very typography from, from an outer space, you can see the Shen on the land. It's God's mark on Israel. It's his. You know what another cool thing is? That mark is on your heart too. If you look at the, the way our heart is shaped with the ventricles, that, that mark is there as well created in God's image, okay? He has his mark on us. So, so God placed his very signature on the natural topography surrounding Jerusalem, okay? And when you view that from above, the three valleys that run between the hills of Jerusalem are the Kidron, the Hinnom, and the Tyropian, okay? And so those three valleys there make up that mark of God, okay? And it's after the Hebrew letter Shen. So the abbreviated name of God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, is what was being seen here. The mark of God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, is what's being marked here. The Shaddai, the S-H and the Shaddai, the name Shaddai actually S-H, is the very, uh, uh, in Hebrew, is that W. And so it's an abbreviation of that name put on the, on the land over Israel, which is just wonderful. God's house and his heart 
are to be in Jerusalem forever, and his name is in our hearts too. Because our heart has that same shape in it, which is really a fascinating thing. God's thumbprint, well, his image, his, his identity marked on every human being. In 2 Chronicles 7.16, For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. One of the most beautiful expressions of God's everlasting love for Jerusalem is written in Isaiah 49, 14 through 16. But Zion said, the Lord is for, has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God is continually watching over Israel. Can we get a sense of the importance of focusing on how, how important Israel is to, 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 to God, to Jesus? And, and I think sometimes we fall into the fallacy, well, we're the church age and we're the church and we're separate, but we're not. We're all part of it. And in that, in fact, the scripture talks about, Paul tells us that we are spiritual Jews. Abraham was promised that there would be uh, the seed, his seed of faith would be like the stars of the sky or the sand on the seashore. That's, that faith you have and that I have in Jesus Christ is that same faith that Abraham had in God. And we're united together in him. So we can praise God for that. God's everlasting love is written in the palm of his hand for Jerusalem and all those who believe in him and love him. We read about that proof of his love and the call to believe in him in John 20, verse 26 through 28. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. The expression of, of love and commitment cannot be removed, washed away, or canceled. It is never forgotten or annulled. The scars of his love are in the palms of his hands, and he will carry them with him forever. So just as he has that heart for Israel, and he's the Messiah of Israel, and as he's our Lord and Savior, and Messiah as well, that love for us is always there. His watchful eye for us and for Israel is always there. <coughs> he's watching the walls. He's watching the perimeters of everything. God cut an unconditional, everlasting covenant with Jerusalem. And she is continually before him. Ezekiel chapter 16 speaks about the covenant relationship with Jerusalem and of God's love for her. Let's look at that. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. How long? Everlasting. Then you will, re then you will remember your ways and be ashamed. When you receive your older and your younger sisters... For I will give them to you for daughters, but not because of my covenant with you. 
and I will establish my covenant with you, then you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be ashamed and never open up and never open your mouth anymore because of your shame when I prove you in atonement for all you have done, says the Lord God. There will come a time, right now Israel's eyes are closed. They're blinded, Scripture says, as a nation, to Jesus as the Messiah. Prophetically, the time will come in the, in the, in the tribulation period when it will be so bad that in the middle of the tribulation period, Israel will realize their error in rejecting Jesus the Messiah. Their eyes will be opened, and as a nation, they will acknowledge Jesus. And they'll have great sorrow, and they'll have great remorse and great repentance about that. But it's at that time that Jesus, it's not until the repentance of Israel and rejecting Jesus as their Messiah that Jesus will come back. You know, at the point that they acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, then at that time Jesus will come back. When that, that scripture, when we were just reading Ezekiel 16, when it talks about verse 61, then you will remember your ways and be ashamed. Why? Because they rejected the Messiah, right, as a nation. When you receive your older and younger sisters, and what that's talking about is brothers and sisters in Christ. We are included in that, that one day they're going to see that all the ones that, that were, were persecuted for the name of Jesus, the Messiah, that they persecuted, okay, in the name, in the name crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, right? But, but that repentance is going to open their eyes to the truth, and they're going to see the, Jesus as the Messiah and their Savior, and they're going to see the believing saints in them, and it's going to bring a unity. And that's what Paul talks about in the book of Romans, that both Jews and Gentiles will come alike. In fact, even amongst Jewish messianic Jews today, rabbis, they, they're, they're focused Many of them, not all of them, but many of them, their focus is to bring that, that fusion of, of Gentiles and Jews together as the people of God. And that's what Paul talked about in the book of Romans as well. So God has his everlasting covenant with Israel that will not be broken. And why am I saying all this? Because I want us to, to understand the importance of what's going on in Israel today They've always been persecuted because it's a spiritual warfare. Satan's trying to, to annihilate Israel, right? He thought he did when, when God dispersed them, when they became nothing, when the land became barren, when there was nothing there, no identity for 2,000 years. It's the only nation, like I mentioned last week, that has come back, rose back up, if you will, from the dead and become a nation because God's hand said, I will not forsake you. I will bring you back. He's brought them back. He has established them. He has given them that identity that will not be taken away. And the covenant he's made with him is that he will be their God. And he's working to bring them to that right place. And so having said that, I'll reiterate quickly that we need to pray not only for the safety and the deliverance for, of Israel from what's going on today, but that the Messianic Jews in particular in, in Israel would, would take this as a great opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them because there's a new covenant that Israel has. And we'll look at that in just a moment. There's a new covenant. And it's found in Ezekiel. And, and these passages of scripture aren't often reflected upon or looked upon. But if they knew them, 
And if they applied them, and if they shared them, maybe more people would come to know Jesus as their Savior. Nothing man could ever do could break that covenant that God has with Jerusalem, right? Joel 3, 16 and 17, the Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. See, there you go. The Lord will roar, okay, from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy, and no aliens shall ever pass through her again. Jerusalem shall be holy. God will reign there with power. God's voice is heard from Jerusalem, and one day it will be truly a holy city filled with God's people. A holy city filled with God's people where Jesus is ruling from and rules the earth and brings a thousand years of peace on earth in the millennial reign. Jerusalem, God's throne, will one day be where his voice will ring out from throughout this world declaring his truth and righteous just justice as he rules this world. So Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem. He's going to rule with power and authority because he is power and authority. He's going to have a voice that the whole world hears, the whole world shakes at the sound of his voice, if you will. And he'll declare his truth. He'll declare his righteousness. He'll declare justice. And there will be one world of peace for a thousand years. He will rule this world. Men need to take seriously how God views his special city, Jerusalem. I got to thinking, as believers in Christ, I want to enforce, not enforce, that's the wrong word, emphasize was the word I was looking for, emphasize the need for you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ to, to honor the heart of Jesus' love for Israel by loving Israel also. We need to lift up Israel and stand for Israel. In Zechariah 2.8 it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. <clears throat> I want you to think just for a moment about the apple of the, of the eye. Think about your own eye. It's something precious easily injured, and demanding protection. Let me say it again. If we're looking at the physical eye, right, it's something precious, our eyesight, it's easily injured, and it demands protection. Israel is the apple of the eye in God's eye, right? So it's, it's very precious, it's easily injured, and it demands protection. You need to pray for those things. Pray for protection from injury, and not remember that Israel is precious. <coughs> Pardon me. The more we get close to Jesus, the more Jesus reveals his heart to us. Amen? Isn't that right? The more we get to know him, we get to know his priorities and where his thinking is. And when he reveals to us, even maybe through this message today, that he confirms by his spirit, look, this is the jewel. This is an apple to my eye. This is a jewel, Israel. I want you to have the same heart for Israel that I do. And God's people, when we pray in power, 
And I mean, there's power in prayer. We know that. It's not vain. It's not empty. Heaven is affected by our prayers. Heaven is affected by our worship today. And hell is affected by it too. Because it shakes. <laughs> Jerusalem was and still is the apple of God's eye. We and the world need to respect and cherish Jerusalem because our Lord does. That makes sense, doesn't it? We're in the body of Christ. He's in us. We're in him. That's his heart. That's the apple of his eye. We grow closer to him. Then something should change in our heart to where we have a greater love for Israel because Jesus loves and cherishes Israel. Last week we spoke about defending and supporting Israel because God promised and gave his people the land. This week I want us to understand that Jerusalem shouldn't be a city split between nations and religious groups. Jerusalem must be recognized as Israel's center of faith and life. The Dome of the Rock. Do you remember that time when I painted that, that uh, Pascal, pastel mural over the baptistry of Jerusalem? And in the back was the Dome of the Rock, right? But that Dome of the Rock, the center of Islamic worship, a modern-day version of the ancient moon god religion, has no place on the Temple Mount. It's God's land for God's people, Israel. God's intention is for his people to align with him and with his, and with his very heartbeat. We are called to be a part of a kingdom of priests, bringing people to a right relationship with God. We're called to be a people that can intervene and, and through our prayers to, to, to support and to intervene on Israel's behalf during these difficult times. And as we align ourselves with the heavenly heartbeat of Jerusalem, we will see that a key part of our destiny as the body of Christ is to offer up prayers and intercession for his city. Now I want to tell you, it's a spiritual warfare, always has been battled over that land. Don't be surprised if it's a spiritual warfare to remember to pray for Israel. I don't know how many times this week, I preached it, but how many times this week... In particular, after preaching last Sunday, where Kathy and I prayed together or whatever, and I go, oh, I forgot to pray for Israel. So let me pray for Israel. You know, it just, it, we have to make an intentional effort to do so. Definitely. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7 says this, I have set watchmen on your walls. <laughs> That's us. We're watching, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. <clears throat> Jerusalem will not be the hot spot of contention forever. Jerusalem one day will be the very spot of praise by the world for God who reigns there. How wonderful is that? And you and I are here watching and we need to just be those prayer warriors and we need to lift them up. Look, it says in scripture, if it says that if you, if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed, right? So if, if we as God's people have his heart for Israel, it will be a blessing to us to have that love for Israel. 
because God's plan and purpose for the whole world focuses through that as well, as Christ the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, will actually reign from there. And the whole world will be at peace. So be a watchman and pray for Jerusalem. Do not keep silent. Figure out how God wants you to help make Jerusalem the heart of God, a praise in the earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. God will bless you and bless us as a, as a body of believers. And the intent is not that we're seeking a blessing. No, the intent is that we want to be the people of God with his heart. And we need to know that when we watch the news and we see all the stuff that's going on and the atrocities, know that it is foretold, but know that Israel will not be defeated. I was watching one Messianic Jew uh, uh, going, uh, doing an interview uh, in the, the, uh, right next to the Gaza Strip. And one of the fears that I heard in this man's voice, which surprised me, because I have a lot of respect for him, he's highly intelligent, but what surprised me was that he was afraid of the annihilation of Israel. God's word said, that's not going to happen. And we need to pray, if anything, that, that God will reveal that truth to Israel and that they'll stand strong in their God and that people will come to know Jesus as their Savior, as their Messiah. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. Father, there's something special about even uh, speaking and addressing uh, Jerusalem, Israel, in this message today. I know that just in our own prayer life, that when we lift up Jerusalem in prayer, that that is something that is special to you and that you bless in our own spirit. But when we come together as a church and we pray for blessings on Israel, when we pray for deliverance and protection, when we pray for spiritual awakening, when we're lifting up that very precious people and nation before you, we are um, aligning with your heart. We are, um, we are lifting up, Father, the burden and looking to you to take care of it. And we praise you, Father, for you will take care of it. It will come to a time when Israel will be the peace and the high point um, in the world that we live in and not a place of contention and fighting. And so, Father, accomplish your work. We thank you, Father, that you will. We know you will. Help us as your children to, uh, every time we think about it, every time we see it on the news, every time it comes up in conversation, maybe just lift up to you, if anything, shoot up a prayer for Israel to you. And, Father, the more and more and more of your people praying, can you imagine the many Jews in particular those messianic Jews over there in Israel that will feel your presence and the lost that will feel your presence in the midst of such travesty because of the prayers of the saints. And like I said last week, that we are grafted into the, that olive tree. We are not the root and we're not to take any glory and be declare that we're any better than Israel because we're not. We are grafted in by your grace 
and the root and the purpose and the work that you've done through Israel has brought us our Messiah, our Savior, our salvation. We praise you, Father, for that, that mighty work. And even though it's not all clear to us, even though it's convoluted at times as we think about prophecy and things that you've written in your word, it's not convoluted to you. It's not cloudy to you. It's absolutely clear. And one day we will see clearly as you see clearly the truths and the promises that you that you have laid out and worked out and fulfilled. We praise you, Father, for that. Thank you for allowing us to be your people, grafted in. And, and Father, thank you that, that we are a, a spiritual Jew. That's what we are. We have the, the same faith. We are the seed of the same faith of Abraham. We have that faith in you. We know you. And you are in us and we are in you. And you deserve all praise and all glory and all honor. Help us to be your people that stand that way for you. Especially as we lift up Israel. And let us not be afraid to take that stand. But let that stand be clear where it's needed for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.